Hello and welcome to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast, a podcast about the 2022 Big East regular season and now tournament champions. On Monday, the Huskies claimed their 20th Big East title, their 27th overall in a conference tournament with a comfortable 70 to 40 win over the Villanova Wildcats, their third win in as many days, and UConn continued its role from the end of the regular season through now three good performances, not the best they could have played, but three really good performances. A lot to like about the three. The closest margin of victory was 20 points against Marquette. And even that game was not particularly close. We saw the entire rotation a lot. We learned a lot about Paige Beckers and we learned a lot about this team as a whole. So to kick it off, Megan, what is your one big takeaway from the Big East tournament? I think my biggest takeaway is just how well Olia Edwards is playing right now, especially as a player that has kind of struggled really all season. We haven't seen what we got accustomed to seeing from her last year, but over the end of the regular season, and then especially in this tournament, I think that's really corrected itself quite a bit. I mean, just in general, she was, you know, hitting her shots underneath relentless on the glass. But I think the thing that just stood out to me the most was her defense on Maddie Segrist in particular in the finals yesterday. I think that was one of the biggest things I was watching for going into that game, kind of knowing that UConn was probably going to win it, but how they guarded Segrist because she's one of the best players in the country and kind of a good barometer for some of the things that UConn's going to face as they get into NCAAs was a, a big point of emphasis in that game and Aaliyah Edwards when she was guarding Seagrass does I mean she Seagrass couldn't do anything she couldn't really get meaningfully involved in the offense I think kind of up until like late in the third quarter like, I think when Edwards was on her she had scored four points or five points she just really couldn't get going on offense she didn't end the, end the game with 16 points when they were switching off of her and some stuff but I mean, still holding Seagrass to 16 points. That's the fewest amount of points that she's scored since early November. So just an, an outstanding defensive performance on her. And Aaliyah Edwards was just such a huge part of that. And I think a big thing to point out in that regard against Seagrass is three of Seagrass points came on a Caitlin Clark, Steph Curry-esque <laughs> jump shot from the title nine 50 year logo that they had on the court. If you remember that. Yes. So that's not, you're good. <laughs> yeah. You let her take that every single time. And UConn was letting Seekers do that. They were letting her take plenty of shots because they wanted to keep her out from the inside of the paint. I think the number one thing that stood out to me on Monday is when you looked back at the loss that they had to Villanova earlier in the season, they got dominated on the boards. They couldn't get a single rebound. There was that one possession that we talked about on the show where it was, what, three, four rebounds in a row on the offensive glass for Villanova. It was a 37 to 21 rebounding margin back on February 9th. Yesterday on Monday in the championship game, UConn won the rebounding battle 39 to 17. That is a massive flip. And I think it just goes to show that, yeah, Olivia Nelson Adota played a part in that. But Nika Mule grabbed some great rebounds. Dorka Juhas was really active on the boards. And not just the numbers that they were getting, but they were rebounding really well, boxing out, fighting Villanova for these balls, getting to pretty much every single loose ball that was on the court, which is something that they didn't do in the loss. 
that made a really big difference too, because it didn't let Villanova get a whole lot of second chances. And really probably most of Villanova's offensive rebounds came later in the game when it was already well out of hand, when either UConn had taken its foot off the gas a little bit, or, you know, they were Villanova cranked up their energy. A lot of them came when it didn't really matter when the game was already pretty much over. So more than anything, yeah, they were great on Seagrass, especially Aaliyah Edwards. They were great on the boards. I don't have a problem with Kristen Williams winning tournament most outstanding player just because she probably deserved it last year and they gave it to Paige Beckers. There's no problem. Yes. <laughs> I'm still mad about that. <laughs> yeah. So deserved it last year, played really well in this tournament, even though her scoring numbers weren't that crazy, but nobody's scoring numbers were that mm-hmm. crazy. I think seven different UConn players had at least nine points in the win. Avina Westbrook in the championship game, I believe had only 13 or something small like that as the leading scorer. So Kristen was really good at getting them out to fast starts. I thought she was really solid on both ends. So she deserved to be most outstanding player. But at the same time, you definitely could have made an argument for it also being Aaliyah Edwards and Avina Westbrook. But I think if I was casting a vote, strictly not looking at last year, I probably would have gone with Aaliyah Edwards. Factoring in last year when Kristen probably got snubbed a little bit, I have really no issue giving it to her. So I think that just goes to show how good Aaliyah Edwards was in the Big East tournament, even though, I mean, her rebounding numbers were really good. No one's scoring numbers stood out. I think that's the big thing. And it feels like so much of the year, the eye test hasn't been there for Aaliyah Edwards. And even if she had some turnovers and some ugly shots and a few bad possessions here and there throughout the tournament, she was playing that aggressive style. I'd rather see her get an offensive foul for trying to bowl someone over in the lane than than not because that means she's playing aggressive she's going to the rim she's doing everything that she can to make life miserable for the other team in the post so yeah it was a really good weekend for her and a really good sign for UConn going forward agreed yeah I think if I had a vote as well which I don't know how they actually determined the big East tournament team but anyway um we I would have given it to Edwards too but I'm fine with Williams getting it especially considering she got snubbed last year but yeah I think just what she did defensively and on the glass and I mean this team as a whole defensively was just so impressive in the tournament and I think that says a lot more about also where UConn's at than this Villanova team too because I have a lot of people in my mentions saying that's because Villanova's not good or Maddie Seacrest isn't actually good and like I think if you watch them play this season you know that Maddie Seacrest is one of the best players in the country and you know that Villanova is a good team so I do really think it says a lot more about where UConn's defense is at right now that it does about Villanova. To go off on a slight tangent in the Villanova direction, they still have season left. Charlie Cream has them as the last team out of the Big East ter- or the NCAA tournament. I, I think, think that would be about- them in. Oh, we did? Because, uh, South Dakota or South Dakota State. I forget which one. One of them lost, so they moved in. Oh, okay. Well, regardless, I think it's pretty clear that Villanova should be in. And I forget, I think you tweeted something about it and I jumped on top of it where it just feels like the selection committee from what we've seen is taking into account injuries for some teams, but not others, because most of Villanova's losses came either when Maddie Segrist was out or when she was playing hurt with, I believe it was a broken hand. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. So 
you don't have one of the best players in your in the country on your team, and they don't seem to be getting the credit for that. But as we talked about last week with Tennessee staying in the mix with Jordan Horston out or the way Oregon was consistently in the top 16, despite all the injuries they had, it just seems like a very uneven application of that benefit of the doubt where, I mean, I I think UConn's probably going to end up getting what they deserve anyways, because I don't think it's fair to judge them on two weeks of good basketball when they've been injured all year. And they're probably going to end up as one of the top two seeds anyways in Bridgeport. And if you're in Bridgeport, you're essentially the one seed anyway. So I don't think it really matters with UConn in this situation, but if you take into account Segrist's injury, everything about Villanova says that they're an NCAA tournament team, everything. Yeah. And I think the thing is, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Like it's just really ESPN's projection of what's going to happen. Um, I think history would say that the committee tends to favor the power five teams, which is why they're kind of getting put in that bubble. And I mean, obviously they can't keep track of every single thing. So I wouldn't be surprised for them to like end up overlooking Seagrass's hand injury, which I think is what would have to happen for Villanova not to get in. But I mean, I hope that we'll see them in the field. I just, I think we've heard this like 3000 times over the weekend. Um, in terms of like the lack of respect that the Big East has get, been getting from that, that kind of perspective, but hopefully Villanova will be in. They're very clearly a tournament team, and I think that's if you watch them play this season, it's very obvious. I think it does help that the Big East coaches have all been pretty outspoken this week about wanting the conference to get some more respect, wanting especially Villanova to get <laughs> that NCAA tournament bid. Gino talked about it. Tony Bazella, Seton Hall coach, had a long rant about the disrespect that the Big East has, that his team has, because he was saying they should be getting more of that credit, too, because they had COVID and injuries earlier in the year and were playing their best basketball in March. So I think that's going to help at least a little bit getting it in the minds of the committees, because, it, yeah, maybe it is possible that the committee wasn't totally aware that Maddie Seagrist was playing hurt. Maybe all they saw was that she missed games, but they didn't know that she was hurt in the lead up and the biggies coaches bringing the attention to it now is helping out a little bit. I think next year might actually be a pretty good breakthrough year for the big East because UConn's still going to be the class of the league. I think UConn's still going to be one of the best teams in the country next year, even though they do have some question marks to figure out, but Villanova, I think is I don't think they're going to be a team that can challenge UConn for the regular season title or be a top 10 team, but I'd be surprised if Villanova is not a top 25 team. They're bringing back everybody except Hurley. Mm -hmm. I am a big fan of Lucy Olson, the point guard. And if she adds literally any muscle to her frame, she's going to be a much better player. She's already a really good player and should only be better as a sophomore. So you bring back everybody and you look at some of the players that, Denise Dillon's recruited you got to imagine that there's going to be impact freshmen coming in next year so I think Villanova being what should be a top 25 team I'd be a little surprised if DePaul's not a top 25 team with Anissa Morrow and you hope that Doug Bruno is going to have a bit of a stronger team around him around her this next season because I believe ESPN has them project projected in the next four out right yeah I believe so so if they can get back to their status as one of those fringe top 25 teams and the biggies can be rolling with UConn at the top and then two other teams that are 
solidly in the top 25 on top of Creighton being a really solid team. And it's hard to say what Seton Hall is going to do next year because they're losing Andre Espinosa Hunter and some other pieces, but I think they'll still be a competitive team. And then am I missing anyone big? I think those are, Oh, and Marquette. I think Marquette is going to be one of those teams. That's this is probably around their floor or right around their median point. I think this team where they should be better in the future. They may have a few years where they step back. So if you can have a year where you got three teams in the top 25 for most of the season, maybe even a fourth surprise team slips in there. And then all of a sudden, if those four teams can start to dominate the conference a little bit, because one thing that a lot of the coaches have said this week is besides UConn, the rest of the teams all kind of beat up on each other. So if those four or five teams that I mentioned can all kind of separate themselves, or if the top three can separate themselves, I think that brings a stronger perception to the conference and a stronger perception to those individual teams, because it's clear just from watching that this is such a huge step up from the American and the American, it was USF UCF for a little bit, but every single other team in that conference, except for maybe the one-off Tulane made the NCAA tournament one year, or someone else probably had a good year here and there. They would all be at the bottom of this big East conference. So yeah, there's still not that second team that can challenge UConn, but I think the depth and the, the floor of this conference is so much higher than where UConn's been. Exactly. And I think that it's only going to go up to, right? This is only UConn's second year in the, back in the Big East. First year? Second year? Second, second year. year. <laughs> Can't keep track of time. Um, but so I think, you know, adding UConn back also is going to help kind of build up this conference and recruiting and all those things. So that impact obviously isn't going to happen overnight, though. So it's going to take some time. Right. And we see some teams taking steps in the right direction. I think Denise Dillon really feels like someone who can build Villanova into a, a really good team, how high they can climb. I don't know. I think that remains to be seen. She's a Villanova former player. She coached under, oh my God, I'm, I'm completely blanking on his name. Harry Peretta. There we go. The former Villanova coach. So it, and if you can get the big East to a point where it's a competitive national conference again, instead of just being, I still think it's fair to call it a really competitive mid major with UConn also in it, but I don't think it's super far away from taking the next step because it's obvious on the men's side, the big East is better than some of the power conferences. Mm -hmm. It is a power conference. It's not there yet for the women, but you've got a really good program, obviously in UConn in Villanova in Marquette, DePaul, we're big, big Seton Hall fans on this podcast. So if you can, if you've got five teams right there that are always going to have pretty decent teams and you can get, oh, Creighton. I don't think I mentioned Creighton in that mix, but Creighton's got a good program too. So you've got a lot of programs that have had an okay amount of success. And if you can get one or two of them to elevate, my money again is on Villanova for that and keep that middle class and maybe just boost up the bottom a little bit you know, don't have a team like Butler that doesn't win a single conference game, then I think we're looking at a much different conference in, let's say, especially five years, but even just two next year, two years, three years down the road. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, you know, the part of the bottom might take a little bit longer, but I think the teams that are at the top behind UConn are, are making strides in the right direction. And those teams are better than the 
teams at the bottom of the Power Five conferences that are, we're also talking about being in the mix for an NCAA tournament spot. So it's making strides in the right direction. And I think as it makes bigger strides, it'll start getting the respect that it deserves nationally as well. And I think they are probably closer than it seems because it's UConn. I believe Creighton's in the tournament, right? They're going to mm-hmm. comfortably Creighton make it. Yeah. Then Villanova should be in. So you've got three teams right there. Then Marquette and DePaul are both on the first four out list. So it's not like they're all that far away from getting in either. Mm-hmm. Obviously they're probably not going to end up in, but just having a couple teams in that mix, especially a team like DePaul, where I feel like they're only going to get better with Anissa Morrow getting better and becoming more of an all around player. Sometimes I feel like every, like their coaches are always going to say that their conference deserves more respect, but I think in this case, it's not just posturing. I think there is some. There's the whole uh, truth behind it. I think that's yes. what you're going for. Yes, yes that was um, like, what I was trying to I mean, we're talking about teams on the bubble too that are like sub 500 and power five play. Like those teams are not better than Villanova or Nepal. The sentiment that we've heard all all weekend is is definitely deserved. Yeah, that that's Gino's favorite line is why is the ninth best team in a power five conference getting in over the third best or the fourth best team in the big East. And I think he even said it last night where take the ninth best team in, I don't think he named a conference and one of those power five conferences and have them play Villanova and see how that goes. Yeah. Or yeah, I think he see, said he would pay to see that happen or something like that. Yep. I think he said, I would die to see that. And then he quickly corrected himself and went to, I would pay to see that. Yeah. <laughs> This year, more than any, I think, especially with the issues that UConn went through, it's clear that UConn, I mean, UConn rolled through everyone in the Big East tournament, but it didn't feel like they just rolled because they were so much better, like they would in the American. They rolled because they played so well. And I don't even feel like Villanova played that poorly yesterday or that Marquette played all that poorly before that. It's just UConn is such a step above everyone that when they're on their game, they're going to make everyone else, I guess, look bad, even though I just said they didn't look bad. They're going to make everyone else look a lot worse than they actually are. Exactly. Like I said, I think it says a lot more about where UConn's like, defense is at, what happened yesterday, than it does about this Villanova team. I still think it's a really good Villanova team. They just went up against a, a UConn defense that's probably top two, top three defense in the country right now, and that is what it is. <laughs> Gino did have a handful of interesting quotes throughout the weekend. One of which he mentioned that at some point he wasn't exactly sure when he wasn't sure if it was after the Villanova game, the second half of the, or the fourth quarter, more appropriately of the win at Marquette, where they were down going into the fourth quarter and then totally ran away with it. But at a certain point they figured out how they needed to play. And they started looking like the Yukon teams of old, as he put it. And then he mentioned that his recruiting strategy would be to get really good scores and just yell at them every single day to play defense. And a lot of the teams got it. And he's felt like the last few years, they haven't had that. And the last couple of years that they've had good defenses, they've just had good defenses because they have good defenders. But this year's defense has started buying into the importance of defense and has started buying into being a really good defensive team and taking pride in that fact starting with Nico Mule and Aaliyah Edwards. And I think that's what's making a difference with this team is you could tell there's a different energy about them. You can tell it's different defensively because 
they are just on another level and every steal they get every block they get every stop they get every bad shot they force another team into it just seems to build for them and grow and they just start so fast whereas last year they were starting so slow they're starting so fast this year they're jumping out on teams and they didn't even really have that great of a second half against Marquette, but it didn't matter because they already had such a comfortable lead in hand. The game was already over by halftime. And I think that's a really good sign going into obviously the first two rounds where they should win both of those games comfortably, but the sweet 16, where you're probably going to play a team maybe a little bit better than a Villanova or on a similar caliber of Villanova, the way this team is playing is just, really, really encouraging, even when you look past the numbers and just the fun they're having, the unselfishness, which I think has been a really big key point of this run that they're on. Everything is just coming together for this team at a perfect time. And they're just playing with no stress. There's no weight on them. They're just going out, playing basketball, having fun. And I don't think the importance of that can be overstated. Yeah, exactly. I think they're just the, I think Avita said it yesterday. The way that they're playing right now is a lot of fun to play. They've got this really deep rotation. They have a lot of different people out there that can do all different things. And when you kind of sub in someone off the bench, the team doesn't really miss a beat. It's just someone else out there that can to make the team play. I think you saw it yesterday in the way things went on the offense, where like Villanova, you know, at some point they would try to to slack off one player, and whatever player they were slacking off, it's just going to get going. Yeah, it's really comical when you start going through the team who they have and who they can bring off the bench if we go with the starting lineup that they had just in the big east tournament nika mule who we haven't talked about this yet but big east defensive player of the year starting at point guard then you've got Kristen williams the 2021 big east tournament or 2022 big east tournament most outstanding player has made the all conference tournament team all four years she's been at uconn i believe former number one prospect, AZ Fudd. We've seen how good she is. One of the best prospects in years. We're seeing why lights out shooter, number one prospect, Aliyah Edwards, an Olympian, Olivia Nelson, a Dota, a really solid player. And then when those guys get tired, you can bring off Paige Beckers, who not former national player of the year, not necessarily at that level yet, it still can't be fun to be an opposing team. See yourself down 10 or whatever in the first quarter. And then they bring page Beckers into the game. Avina Westbrook, who's been one of this team's best players over the past two, three, four weeks, maybe ever since that Marquette game, she's been on Dorka Juhas, a back-to-back all big 10 first team selection and Caroline Ducharm, the number five player in this year's freshman class. And also the team's leading scorer for a good chunk of the year. It's comical, the depth and the talent they have. And like you said, everybody's contributing. And if someone's not contributing, you still have eight other players who can fill in and step in. So we really saw it in this Big East tournament, specifically comedy of talent that they've collected. It's That's really the only way you can say it. It's funny because it is so impressive. And that's going to be what really helps this team going forward. Because as Gino pointed out in one of his press conferences, Everyone's played a lot, so they're in pretty decent shape. But because everybody essentially has gotten injured, no one's really worn out. So they've got a really nice mix of good shape, not being overworked, and you're able to rotate people in really quickly. Paige Becker's played the fewest minutes of anyone, 
And she was still averaging, I believe it was somewhere in the range of 16 or 17 minutes a game. So, so deep, so talented. And Gino's using all of it too. Yeah, exactly. It's like finally the problem that we thought we were going to be talking about all season at the beginning of the year is like the problem that they have and that there's just such a wealth of talent and depth and, you know, what lineup do you use? And like when, I mean, right now they're just using all of it when it gets down to the final minute or final rounds, I think they're still probably going to use it, be using all of it because they just get so many different looks with these different players. And I think when you get to later rounds of the tournament too, right, having that level of depth that and the, there's no like real difference when you put someone off the bench onto court is like in fourth quarter when the other team is exhausted from their sixth best player rotation and you can still rolling with this nine deep rotation is going to be a big advantage for them. And I think we saw that yesterday against Villanova where <laughs> both teams had played three games in three days. I think both teams were pretty tired, but Villanova wasn't subbing all that much. Gino was able to really keep everyone on the court fresh and it just wore Villanova down as the game went on because you could just see the fatigue setting in the tiredness hitting their shoulders. Like you said, that's going to play a big part in March, especially when it's a sprint during the NCAA tournament. I know it's two games and you get basically a week off, but it just feels so much quicker than that. By the time you get to the final four, you're going to be beat up. You're going to be tired. And even though you have that initial adrenaline of playing in the final four, you know, assuming UConn gets to the final four, UConn's really going to be aided by the fact that not only they can go to a lot of players, but everyone that they can go to is capable of contributing and has contributed this season, which I think is another key point. We're not just talking about potential or if this or that happens, they've shown that they can do it. Every single player has done that, and that's a really good sign. That's how you win a national championship. Exactly. I think if you're talking about teams that are favorites to win the title, I don't know how you don't include UConn at this point. I think what we've seen, and I know people are going to make a little well the like the quality of competition comments and all that, but they're just so outplaying. They're playing their best basketball of the season. And if you look at, I don't know, things like, her hoop sets ratings that already has them as like the fourth best team in the country and what it's predicting. Like they're just blowing those predictions out of the water. So that's already adjusting for the fact of the quality of the competition that they're playing and they're still playing just way above what the expectation is. Yeah. I think South Carolina, despite their loss, Stanford and NC state have all pretty firmly established themselves uh, at the top of the country. And then it seems to be a lot of other teams in the mix I don't think it's fair to say that UConn's definitely in that top tier, but I think UConn's a lot closer to that top tier than everyone else. If UConn played Louisville again, I think that would be a bloodbath because this UConn team just has a sense of revenge. We saw it yesterday against Villanova. They seem to do really well when they're slighted and they seem to have a really good sense of self too, which helps in those type of games. And they almost beat Louisville earlier this season when they didn't have Paige or AZ or Nika Mule, all players who, if we haven't seen that the past few weeks, they're pretty good. So that's going to be a big boost. I don't know. It, it's to the point where no one else in the country should really scare you because everybody has their flaws and UConn's included in that. UConn has their flaws, but South Carolina is not playing its best basketball going into the NCAA tournament. I haven't watched Stanford, so I can't really say anything about them. NC State, 
every year I just perpetually feel under, I feel like NC state perpetually underwhelms in the NCAA tournament. So I'm not really going to be overly concerned about them. And yeah, there's a lot of other teams in that second tier, but any of them can lose to anyone. It feels like, so it's such a wide open field. And if UConn can find that next level and if page can get back to even just 80% and be a consistent contributor out there, I think it goes to a point where UConn shouldn't just be a favorite. They might even push themselves into being the favorite. A lot of time that needs to happen before then. And a lot of things need to happen for that to occur. But I think that is possible by the time we get down to the final four. Yeah, I agree. I think the way this team is playing right now that, I mean, like it said, there's those top three teams. I would put UConn in that group. I kind of think, yes, UConn fell out of that group with all the injuries, but I think it's kind of a silly argument to not say that UConn at full health is is a part of that top group of teams in the country. And they're, like you said, they're only going to get better. And like they're playing like this right now with Paige Becker's not being a large factor. So I feel like if I was another team in the country, that would scare me if Paige Becker's is going to be at 80% by the time. I have to play them. Well, that's a perfect segue into our segment about Paige Beckers. And before we get into the injuries and the way she played and everything like that, we do need to share a very funny story about Paige Beckers from the weekend. (laughs) So before the first game against Providence, I tweeted a video of just the team warming up and it was their second to last warm up, I believe where they come out and, They've got their uniforms on and just a warm up top on shorts are off. And then they go back in the locker room one more time and then come out for last little warm up session, national anthems, tip off, that sort of thing. So I tweet the video and make sure Paige is in it, obviously. And then I'm just kind of sitting there, not paying super close attention, just keeping an eye on things. And someone replies to me on Twitter and says, who's going to tell Paige that her shorts are on backwards? And I look at that and I look at Paige and I notice indeed they are on backwards. So I forget exactly what the situation was, but Paige and like half the team ended up standing on the sideline right in front of us. And I leaned over to Maggie Benoni, who covers the team for Hearst. And I said, not loudly to her. I thought I whispered it. And I went, look, Paige has her shorts on backwards. And somehow Paige heard me and she looks down and I think it was Nika she was standing next to and she kind of motioned to Nika and grabbed her shorts and she was like, my shorts are on backwards. And I see this happen and I start laughing and I I didn't know you could hear me. And she had walked a few steps away by the time I said that. She turned around, looked, laughed and went, yeah, it's been a little while. So then, you know, they come out the second time. She's got her shorts on the right way. So then the next day, again, I'm sitting in the same spot. They come out. And Paige Beckers was very excited to tell us that she had put her shorts on the right way on Saturday. <laughs> she looked over and she was like, look, and she pulled down the waistband of her sweatpants and she was like, I got them on right today. <laughs> so <laughs> very funny start to the weekend for Paige Beckers. Yes. <laughs> Never fails to be something entertaining during warm-ups. <laughs> Absolutely. Her first game back, she was really good. Led the team with 16 points. Didn't even play all that much. Only 18 minutes. Racked up some assists, some rebounds. Next night, played the same number, 18 minutes. Didn't really do a whole lot. Didn't really look all that great. And then Monday night against Villanova, played just eight minutes. Only came in at the start of quarters. Never really seemed to get a groove going. Just She had the look in her eye that it seemed like she wasn't really all there. 
Gino decided to take her out at a certain point and just say, all right, you don't have it tonight. That's fine. And after the game, he said the knee's still a factor, but what he's more concerned about is her getting her head right because she needs to understand that playing at 85% or 75% is still better than being at 90%, but she gets frustrated not being able to do everything that she's used to doing. And that kind of derails her game, which I think is something fair especially playing three games in three days and it only realistically being her third time back playing because with the three games in a row, I don't think there's much time to kind of take stock of what happened and hit the reset button a little bit. So I think having these next 10 days of practice will help. I did think it was notable that Gino said when she's feeling good, she looks like her old self in practice. So if she can get to the point where she's feeling good on a consistent basis, the two games in a weekend don't bother her that much and she can overcome maybe not being a hundred percent. That's a pretty good proposition for UConn. Exactly. And there's still a lot of time, right? They've got about 10 days off until the tournament starts. And then they've got another week off in between the first, you know, two rounds and then regionals where things really start to get a little tougher. So there's definitely still a lot of time. I think it seems like the coaching staff knows where she needs to get. So we'll see where she's at kind of in, in two weeks or a little under two weeks when they play the first rounds. But I think that'll be a better indication of what they're going to, we're going to see from Paige in the postseason. Yeah. And I think it's all been realistically, this is all just about her getting her feet back under her. And the first two games of the NCAA tournament should be the same thing. You got to make sure she's healthy for the future. But I think what we're seeing from this team right now and the way they're playing, especially without Paige being much of a factor, I said this a couple weeks ago and I wasn't super confident in saying it, but this is absolutely a team that can get to the final four without Paige Beckers. Yep. So if you can just get her to continually move forward and take incremental steps forward. And even if in the elite eight, she's not necessarily playing at even 75%, you still just have to keep pushing it forward as long as you keep winning, obviously. But if you just keep taking strides forward and take another step and another step and another step. Then if she can play her best game of the year in the elite eight, and then her next best game of the year in the final four, and then by the national championship game, maybe that's the first game where she finally feels a hundred percent and she can go off for 35 points. I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying you just have to keep it moving and you just have to keep the focus of this team on the entire team because I think it's good that Paige doesn't have to come back and be the savior. And I think it is good for this team to a certain degree too, that she's back and they're still playing really well, even though she's not contributing a whole lot. So I think this team should have a lot of confidence, both in the way they're playing without her and the fact that she should be more of a factor going forward. Exactly. I think it's only going to go get up. I think, you know, made the comment a couple of times, like how many teams are going to get better and that they're going to add a player like Paige back. Um, and this team is already playing, like we saw this weekend, really, really good basketball without her on the floor. So getting her back, even if it's only at, you know, 80% or whatever it's going to be, is going to be a, a big step up from where they are. I think a big part of that is the play of the guards, specifically Avina Westbrook and Nika Mule. But let's just talk about Nika Mule specifically for a moment, because I was definitely not anticipating UConn winning any of the major awards. Anissa Moro seemed like a lock to win freshman of the year. I think my only question with player of the year was going to be whether or not Maddie Segrist or someone else would get it, but it definitely wasn't going to be a UConn player. 
Defensive player of the year, I thought it was possible maybe Liv would get it for a second straight year. I was not anticipating that it was going to be Mika Mule when that got announced. Not that I didn't think she deserved it. She's just a player that whenever you ask anyone about her, they're going to respond with something that's a little intangible that, oh, she just brings great energy. She just sets the tone back on the defense. I had to ask Gino, Gino, specifically, what is Nika doing that makes you a better team? And he did give a really good answer about how she's really gotten good at being an on-ball defender and she gets her hands in the passing lanes and disrupts the other team's offense by disrupting the other team's point guard. And then, of course, he couldn't help himself. And he said, and she has a tenacious energy that just makes them better, which isn't something you can really put into a box and describe. But I think the way that she's playing that's really helping fill in for not having page backers because you've got a really good passer out there. You've got someone that is not only running the offense on one end they're whatever the opposite of a floor general is, that's what Nika mule is on defense because instead of running the offense, she is taking other teams offense out of what they want to do. And that makes everyone else on defense so much better and is what helps lift the defense up so much. So while she might not have the best defensive stats, I was looking through some of the metrics to see if there was something I could use for a story and her defensive metrics aren't anything special, but just the way that UConn's a better team with her on the floor, I thought it was really well-deserved. I was just surprised that she got the recognition for it. Same. I was also pleasantly surprised that she got the recognition, but wasn't expecting to see her name there, but I mean, it's, it's definitely deserved. I think we've seen, I mean, we've talked about it 3000 times how she, you know, her energy just changes what this team looks like. And that's hard to quantify, but I think it's, you know, just glad to see her get recognized for that. And I think we saw it throughout this weekend too, just the way she has been able to disrupt the other team's defense, the way she, you know, gets on their point guards and makes them make mistakes is a really big part of what makes this team better. And I think when Gina was talking about how good the, the defense has been in the Big East tournament as well, a lot of what he credited that to was Nika and Aaliyah and the kind of their willingness to play defense that has kind of set the tone for everybody else. It's pretty much the exact same time of year as last year that last year Nika got into the starting lineup after getting through some early struggles this year, she got healthy and ended up back in the starting lineup, but it was, basically the exact same point in the calendar that she was there. And I don't think the change was immediate for Nika this year. And they had to weather the injuries and all that too. That emergence of Nika, I think is what's making this team so dangerous because if you, if her and Paige were hurt, I don't think we would be, or weren't at a hundred percent. I don't think we would be seeing the type of performance we performances we're seeing now even though Avina Westbrook is playing really well and I thought it's been pretty good as the number two point guard when she's been called upon for those duties, she'd be the only one and defenses would be able to key in on her a lot more as we kind of saw at earlier points in the year. So the fact that Nika is doing everything that she does, that's probably a factor that I think we as UConn reporters and UConn fans recognize it pretty well, but even though Nika's defensive player of the year, I still think she probably doesn't get the credit and the recognition she deserves from everyone else, as weird as that sounds. No, I'd agree with that. I think if you ask the average woman's college basketball fan, they probably don't think she's that good because she doesn't score many points or have these big flashy numbers that, you know, you can point to. But I think if you've spent a lot of time watching this team, it's, it's very clear what her impact on the floor is. 
You know, speaking of awards, I was sitting next to the Manchester Journal Inquirer's Carl Adamek for the last two days of the Big East Tournament. And if you don't know who Carl is, he has been covering UConn, I think, since UConn's first NCAA tournament, talking back in the 80s. So he has seen everything about this program, and he has an encyclopedic mind where (laughs) he has he can tell you some of the most unbelievable stats and recall them like that. He is a walking UConn women's basketball encyclopedia. So the thought kind of hit me or he was chatting about his all American ballot because he's an AP voter. And the thought kind of hit me while he was talking about that is I believe the AP comes out. Does the AP come out before the NCAA tournament or after? I believe it. it they might not announce it till the final four, but I believe it's supposed to be based on what like only played before the tournament. Okay. That's what I thought. So right now, I think it's totally fair to say that UConn doesn't have an All-American and no one on UConn deserves to be an All-American, which I think is more of an indication of the injuries and the lack of availability for everyone than the way anyone's played in particular. But I asked him if any of UConn's national championship teams have had no All-Americans. And he said, no, they've had at least one on every single one. But he thought that Kristen would end up getting it if she had a really good tournament and they won the national championship from somebody, which I don't think is unfair, but it is just pretty crazy to think that this could be one of the most unique national championship teams for UConn if they end up winning it, which I know it seems like they're the favorite. And once we get to this point in the year, it's really easy to start carving out what the path is going to be. And it's a lot harder for them to actually do it because if you told me in 2016 or 2017 or 2018 that UConn wasn't going to win the national championship either of those years, I think I would have been pretty stunned. So I'm not going to be surprised if UConn doesn't win it, but it would just be pretty crazy if that does end up happening and they don't end up getting an All-American where they've got such a huge amount of talent. And I think as the years go on, we're going to look back and gawk at how much talent they had as AZ Fudd and Paige Beckers and everyone continues to get better how they all kind of play out in their careers but I think we're going to look back and really say wow that team that team had a lot of talent and it took a while to see it but it's amazing they didn't have an All-American assuming everything that I just mentioned happens yeah and I mean I feel like them not having an All-American is going to come with an asterisk if Paige Beckers is playing at 80 percent healthy because like yeah there's not an actual all-american on the team for the current year but they do have the rating national player of the year on the team so it's just kind of like one of those weird anomalies of the season but i don't think it actually speaks at all to like the level of talent on this team no definitely not it will just be a fun bar trivia stat if it happens again if it happens i'm not trying to make it seem like i'm predicting anything here but just if it happens it'll be a nice little bar trivia stat We got a nice little break this week before Selection Sunday on March 13th. It's Sunday this year. It used to be on Monday. Now it's the same day as the men's. We will learn if the Huskies end up in Bridgeport. And really, I don't think the seed matters. If they're in Bridgeport, you're essentially a one. The only difference is that you're going to wear probably your away uniforms in the Elite Eight instead of your home uniforms. That's the only difference between being a one and a two, honestly, for UConn, I would say. Maybe they might get a better matchup as the one in the Sweet 16, but who knows how it all falls. So it'll be exciting. And then after that, it's going to be the week of the NCAA tournament. So next episode, we will 
break down the bracket, break down UConn's march to banner number 12, and preview the NCAA tournament. On that note, that'll do it for this episode of Chasing Perfection. You can follow Megan on Twitter at Megan Gower. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel V. Conley. Be sure to subscribe to the show, tell a friend, especially with the NCAA tournament coming here. Sign up for the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly. Become a premium member if you so desire. We are All our stories from the Big East tournament and throughout this week have been free for everyone to read. So if you sign up, you'll get everything and you can choose to become a premium member from there. Also read the UConn blog. We have a lot of good coverage on there with much more to come. Megan, send us into the NCAA tournament. Five five days till we know a lot more about what UConn's path to Minneapolis looks like. So it's getting very real very quickly. Can't wait. That'll do it. Thanks for listening.